0: So, Glenn, uh, great to have you on the Arato podcast today. Uh, why don't we just start off with tell us about your current professional responsibilities?
1: Great. Thanks very much, Richard. And thanks for the chat. So, currently, I'm CEO with a business called, I was going to say National IT, but we've rebranded in the last couple of days. So, we're now National 360.
0: Oh, I just looked at your, it must be your brand new website then. It is. Wow. It is. How exciting. Yeah
1: ironing out some kinks but anyway we're, we're up and we're live so that's Good. the main thing Good stuff. Um, so my, my role is CEO with with National 360 we um, provide allied health clinicians into largely the NDIS space so mm-hmm. um, the business as I mentioned then with National OT being our former name we, we came from OT Origins the owner mm-hmm. is an OT um, but as we've as we've kind of grown the business and taken on different non-OT streams that name needed to change so mm-hmm. thus the 360. Um, my professional responsibilities in that role obviously to, to, to sit across um, I suppose the operational delivery of all elements of the business mm-hmm. uh, and plus trying to blend in with that the right amount of strategic foresight and direction mm-hmm. um, which is not always easy in a in a, a small, medium, fast-growing business. So,
0: yes, I uh, you know I certainly think about my own business, and uh, uh, whilst I'm the owner and CEO, it's very difficult to get that balance of uh, keeping your you know eye on the horizon whilst you're up to your neck in crocodiles. And so, you've been with them for about two years. Um, just give us a sense of the scope of the business, how many staff is there, and how many states are you operating in, and so on.
1: Yeah, great. So yeah, we've we when I started, and this is not about me, but just to kind of give you a perspective, um, started we had around sixty therapists, mm-hmm. largely operating out of Victoria and a sprinkling in New South Wales and Queensland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's sixty as of as of Monday. Um, we've we brought on another fifty therapists in one hit on a Monday. So oh, yeah. we're now up to one hundred and eighty therapists, and mm-hmm. we've we've pretty much blanketed uh, Australia other than Northern Territory, so still have a heavy heavy focus in Victoria because that's where our origins were, mm-hmm. but uh, we cover everywhere from Victoria right up to Cairns. We're into South Australia. We're, we're now losingly over into WA as well, and we've um, just relocated one of our team members who needed to move to Tassie, so
0: okay, have opportunity to kind right. of say,
1: great, well, you're now a Tassie, Tassie rep as well. uh uh-huh.
0: um, so, how do you hire 50 people in one day or start 50 people in one day? Gosh, that's a. Uh, uh, I struggle to start one. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: look, it, it, it's challenging. And this year, you know, this year was made even more challenging because um, the best laid plans where we would have our, our WA grads all in the office suddenly flipped on its head on the Sunday before the Monday when, when they went into a five day hard lockdown. So, mm-hmm. um, we, we certainly. Have embraced technology, so we, you know, we we used Zoom, um, even though we had we had inductions happening in WA, South Australia, Victoria, uh, Queensland, and New South Wales. So the running parallels, and then we would connect in uh, at various points throughout the day, whether it was the the, the managing director's introduction to the business, whether mm-hmm. it was introducing various support team members to the to the, mm-hmm. the whole cohort of fifty.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that was the easy part. The hard part was a lot of hard work around not only the planning for day one, um, making sure the logistics worked, make sure the content was not too much for the for the new grads, but also then okay, well, what happens after day one? So we've got we've worked on a twelve week induction program for the mm-hmm. grads.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's that's been we did one last year when we we brought on a group of graduates not to this level. We've certainly ironed out some of the kinks. We think. Uh-huh. With this year's program, so a lot more focus on personal develop personal development for the graduates.
0: Okay, great. And are these people all employees or contractors or?
1: Yeah, all, all employees. Wow. Yeah,
0: exciting um, stuff. Oh well, I'm, I'm keen to get into a bit more about that uh, later in the discussion. But you know, right. uh, people love to hear the backstories of uh, CEOs, and uh, mm-hmm. so let's go. Let's go back. Tell us go a little back. bit about you know where you were uh, born, and yeah. mum and dad, brothers and sisters.
1: Yeah, great. Uh, I'm a Victorian and um, born in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. So uh, back when I. But back when I was born, was sort of into a a third. We had three or four generations of the one family living in the one house. You know, a three-bedroom house, one toilet, one bathroom. The toilet was outside, in and you know. (laughs) So, um, you know, um, it was a great upbringing. It was a a tough, tough neighbourhood. You're heavily multicultural, which was fantastic, Mm -hmm. uh, but you needed to have your wits about you as well. So, kind of that, right. Upbringing, I think, certainly helped uh, help me in a way.
0: What, what sort of work did your parents do?
1: Yeah, so mum mum was a, a, a like a relief teacher, okay. a teacher's aide. I think they used to call them a teacher's aide back then. So not actually teaching the kids, but just supporting the teacher sure. who was teaching the kids. Um, and dad was a, a motor mechanic. Okay, so he um, you know, he was. He worked in a, you know, a, a workshop, and then mm-hmm. when the workshop closed, he brought. He became a backyard guy. So okay. one of those backyard operators, that right. uh, you know, he had his clientele that followed him there. So our garage was in the backyard, so we had, you know, kind of everyone was working around the same household, so it was pretty cool. But okay, yeah. and uh,
0: and how many brothers and sisters? Two sisters, um,
1: right. and a brother, and fair age gap between us so my sisters are 10 and 12 years older than myself
0: okay right
1: And a 10 year gap which i obviously the mistake And <laughs> my brother is the cover-up who came two years after me uh,
0: fair enough and so uh when you were uh, at school you know what what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up
1: yeah um it's interesting i kind of went through i'm uh, possibly not dissimilar to what a lot of other kids go through you know i wanted to be a, a police officer or, right um i was serious about joining the army at one mm-hmm. stage and then i was serious about becoming a, a member of the the air force at one stage right um uh i, I then thought i'll become a <laughs> i'll become a uh a radio announcer right uh, say so things like that and then i think my mum you know, did the right thing she she said no you need a you know if you're going to do anything, do a business background because it'll open up opportunities, and um, so thus, yeah, long story short, that's where I ended up landing. But uh, yeah.
0: and so wow, that's uh, so from a, a policeman to radio announcer <laughs> to a business person, yeah. uh, and not only a business person but a bean counter, you know, yeah, so uh, that's a quite a, a transition, and so um, finished school, went straight to uni.
1: Yes, yes. So no, no gap year back right. when, uh, when we were coming out of uni, it was straight in. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I did a, a Bachelor of Business majoring in accounting mm-hmm. uh, through RMIT in the city. And, um, and then straight out of that basically took, in hindsight, I possibly took the first role I, I got offered, uh, which was working in a financial institution, a, a credit union back then. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it was sort of an assistant accountant role. Mm-hmm. So, and that was in the old days so yeah it sounds old it, things happen fast you know it was mi- minimal you're doing all the ledgers handwritten ledgers and the like um so you yeah, know certainly different than than graduates coming out of uni now
0: mm-hmm. and so uh how did your career unfold from there
1: yeah so i uh, spent a couple of years just i suppose plying my trade in the credit union mm-hmm. um i'd had a I'd sort of, when you asked before, what what did you want to do? I always had a real interest in sport and mm-hmm. um, uh, an opportunity popped up to become involved in Melbourne Storm, the rugby mm-hmm. league club. So they yeah. had back in ninety ninety eight, I think it was, they just started up. That was their first year of inception.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: 1999 came around and I, I just came across a job ad for a, a assistant accountant. I think it was at that time. And through my CV, into the mix and mm-hmm. things happened very quickly. Before I knew it, I was assistant accountant at, at, at Melbourne Storm. So um, that, that, that was that was probably my first real break, I suppose, and getting into an organisation that you could have some fun to do what you're good at,
0: yeah. And then, and then uh, it sounds like not long after that became their CFO.
1: Yeah, um, that happened within, I think it was about 12 months to 18 months of so the CFO left. And um, the owner, uh, John Rebo, who who's, to this day is probably one of my best mates, mm-hmm. uh, he, he and the other, he and the CEO basically said, Glennie, we want you to do the role. And right. I said, I don't think I'm not up to it. Um, right. Yeah, happy to keep the seat warm, but you go mm-hmm. and recruit someone who, who, who is more capable. Mm-hmm. And they said, we think you can do it. If you, you get in, you can't do it just tell us and we'll pull you out and you can go back to how you you're operating beforehand um so yeah the rest is history i i I tried it they liked what i did i love what i did and um, sort of five or six years later I, i was still there
0: oh that's excellent and so um i mean i can only imagine you know as a younger person i had a similar sort of event in my career where suddenly I'm 26 and they said, oh, we want you to manage 750 people. It's so, uh, <laughs> like uh, going from sales to, uh, to being in an operational role. But, uh, but it's those kind of experiences, you either sink or swim and you either love it or you don't. But when you stepped up to that CFO role, I imagine that you said, well, if I'm going to make a fist of this, um, I need to learn some new skills. Uh, mm. so, so what did you do to sort of get yourself right in the game?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I kind of, I just threw myself in. Really, I didn't know what I didn't know. What I didn't know, mm-hmm. um, and I, you know, thinking back now, well, the way I, I quickly learned was, I suppose I went where the role needed me to go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talking to John Rebo, what do you need me to do? Well, right. I need you to, uh, I need you to be right across the financials because mm-hmm. they've got to go to News Limited, who part own the business. I need you to make sure the, con- the players are contracted. So I kind of tried to break down the role into if I do, th- if I do five things well to mm-hmm. please the, the executive director, part owner and owners, mm-hmm. possibly further ahead than if I try and do this in my own way. So mm-hmm. uh, that, was, that was kind of the approach I took, you know, the, okay. top five, the top five. And it's funny, you know, 20 years later, I still kind of I keep operating in that way.
0: Fantastic. And so you obviously really enjoyed that job. So what was it that sort of uh, uh, accelerated you exiting?
1: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, sports, a cutthroat industry, as, as I suppose most commercial businesses are. Um, so John John Rebo, as I keep referring, he was a part owner with News Limited. Mm-hmm. I think uh, coming into, I don't know, in the 2005 year, they... Had a parting of ways, mm-hmm. and um, uh, at the time I thought, okay, well, this puts, possibly puts me in an interesting position because I know a new CEO will come in, and if I was mm. a, if I was a smart CEO, I'd possibly want my CFO with me and not a previous guy. So, kind of uh, it it got me thinking, uh, and at the same time, John had said to me, "Listen, I want to keep working with you. I've got businesses in Queensland that you know may be interesting." for you mm-hmm. uh if you're happy to relocate your family come up and continue to work with me uh, let's do it so that was basically the the reason i i, I as much as i'd love the, the role i'd love the business i actually loved Reeves more right.
0: than, than all of that and um Rebs and glenny yeah exactly well that's
1: that's what <laughs> that's our names that's what we go by now so uh, oh, oh cool
0: and so you yeah. came up here and worked for north uh for a little yeah. while and how did you find uh, the sunshine state?
1: Yeah, it was it was different. Obviously, I think this is so this is back in possibly. 2006. Uh, I think things have changed a lot, but mm-hmm. where where we were based was north of Brizzy by, you know, 20, 25 Ks. And yeah, everyone I spoke to when I said, I'm moving to Brisbane and where are you moving? And I said, you know, north of Brizzy 20, 25 Ks. Why why are you living out there? You know, uh, there's nothing out there. And yeah. sure enough, there wasn't a lot out there. Yeah. Um but we we're only 20k's from Brisbane, so it was it was pretty good. Um, yeah, I think the you know the 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 role, the transition into the role wasn't easy because mm-hmm. um, you know I was an external guy brought in by Reeves, dropped into the business. There was there was people within that business who possibly earmarked themselves for the role that I was brought in for. So mm-hmm. it was a whole. Yeah, there's a whole raft of emotional type of um, issues that I had to manoeuvre my way through mm-hmm. as well as kind of keep the job going uh, mm-hmm. as best I could. But um, uh, the experience was brilliant. We loved we loved Queensland. It was great for, you know, it, before, it helped my family life as well. Obviously, with no family network up there, it became mm-hmm. myself, my wife and my son at the time, and then my daughter came while we were up right. there, so it kind of bonded us.
0: And so was your next role with Guest back in uh, Melbourne then? It was correct, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it
1: relocated back. Unfortunately, sort of after two years up there, my, my mum was quite sick uh, mm. with with cancer. So with two young kids, and um, we we kind of had to make the call. If I want mum to, you know, form some form of relationship mm-hmm. with my children, kind of needs to be done now. So right. we we unfortunately relocated, and that that led to the guests' role.
0: Okay. And then uh, and then a few CFO roles, I think, you know, probably your longest stay Camp Australia for eight years. Um, Tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, so that that role I was lucky to get, to be perfectly honest. A a recruiter rang me and said, are you open-minded about taking a role in education? And I said, not really. Like, I don't know what I want at the moment. What I do know is I don't want to keep, Shopping and changing, I need to find something mm-hmm. that I love. The recruiter said, "Trust me, um,
0: <laughs> trust me, I'm a recruiter." But, um, <laughs> <laughs> is that is that an oxymoron? Is that <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He
1: said, "Trust me, meet the two owners, and I'm sure you'll you'll think that they're pretty solid guys." So, um, which I did, and and kind of had some instant connection with them they were you know the smart guys they were um ambitious they knew where they wanted to get to they knew where they were being hampered through the mm-hmm. current structure uh and they were open to ideas as well it wasn't sort of them saying this is the business this is how it needs to work this is what your role will be coming in mm-hmm. they were almost saying this is what we know but we're, we're going to bring you in if you're happy and mm-hmm. we need you to tell us what we don't know so mm-hmm. um you probably five or six coffees and um and then we, yeah, we we went pushed ahead.
0: Well, so I just as you were saying, there's the recruiting world's so different now. I recruited a CEO last year, and of course it was during COVID. And uh, um, uh, he was running the Australian operation for a, a US-based company. Yep. Well, there were no coffees. In fact, there was no, not even a single face-to-face meeting. You yep. know, through the whole process. Uh, yep. And uh, so, yeah, life is uh, life has changed. And it so. What was it about that role, you know, as you said, you'd had a couple of shorter sort of um, uh, uh, employment periods. So what was yeah. it about that role that kept you there for eight years?
1: Uh, yeah. It, what it was was um, I suppose initially I could see the potential in the business. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they were these guys were turning over some good top-line numbers but not making any money at oh. all. Okay. So, um, I knew it wasn't a startup,
0: so yeah. that gave
1: me some comfort that there's got to have some back-end infrastructure there, so that, mm-hmm. that's good. Um, so what, what kept me there was I came in as CFO. They had a, a COO who be, later became the CEO and mm-hmm. um, highly intelligent, process-driven guy, um, relentless kind of just-get-stuff-done attitude. Mm-hmm. And uh so what happened? We 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 started to, you know, increase that top line, but everything started to flow to the bottom line. So, uh, the owners became very very happy. Uh, you know, suddenly they right. got a business that's you know spitting out some cash. So mm-hmm. what that what that then did was, as the owners became more confident in the ability of the CEO and CFO to, to manage this business, and mm-hmm. um, they they became a little further removed. So it became even more important for the CEO and myself. We, you know, we formed obviously a four-person exec with the two owners. Mm-hmm. We really got got the opportunity to drive the business as we wanted it to be driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that definitely added added um, you know some fun to the role. Uh, so even at that mark, you know, we're possibly through into six years of my eight years there, and the business was great, highly highly profitable, um, and profitable to the point where some third-party investors started to knock on the door.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, And then that that led to a two-year phase where we were in sale mode and then, you know, fast-tracking post-sale was working with PE. So I suppose the journey was broken into four or five different phases, um, Mm -hmm. which obviously kept me enthused, kept me on my toes uh, and kept me there Mm long-term.
0: But you still left uh, after eight years. And then had another uh, short stint with sushi, sushi, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then into your current role. Did you join um, National Three Hundred and Sixty as the CEO, or were you? Did you join as CFO?
1: No, I, I joined as CEO. Okay, and um, that was again, that was another coffee. So um, right. yeah. So um, if you
0: it's... think back of your career, at what point do you think you started to go? Hmm, I'd quite like to be a CEO.
1: Hmm. Possibly uh, two thirds of the way through my Camp Australia um, time. Okay. Um, Yeah. um, And what what
0: sort of started you getting think about thinking about that?
1: I think um, I certainly learnt a lot from the CEO I was working with, Mm -hmm. uh, but he and I were different. So you know, I took I took the really positive elements of. The way he operated that that mm-hmm. relentless drive energy as i said before get stuff done rhythm data alignment you know we were kind of indoctrinated in in the way that he liked us to operate so mm-hmm. that was brilliant um but then i was a different personality so yeah he was a hard taskmaster. i was kind of the good cop to his bad cop right so what it got me thinking was okay could i could i become a ceo with that relentless drive energy, the discipline, but not do it in a stick approach? Could I do it in a carrot approach, a more collaborative way? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was sort of the seed. Um, mm-hmm. And I ended up just getting to the point where I'm like, yeah, Richard, I just sort of thought it, it's an itch I need to scratch. And then maybe I scratch it and maybe I fail because mm-hmm. I'm not good at CEOing. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I'm a career CFO, but if mm-hmm. I don't try, I don't want to look back in 10 years and say, mm-hmm should have done it so um that was why I kind of took the plunge
0: Mm -hmm. and similar to a question I asked you uh earlier Mm -hmm. once you made that choice and I imagine particularly when you stepped into your CEO role how did you where did you identify the potential gaps that you needed to fill in terms of your skill set um and Mm -hmm. and how'd you go about doing that
1: yeah, look, I think the way I started, I knew what areas I, I would be okay in. So, obviously, finance background, I'm fine there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Camp Australia, while it was a, a human labour business, we were tech heavy, so I should be fine there. Mm-hmm. Um, where I knew I'd be challenged coming into National 360, and I'm still challenged to this day, is, is my understanding of the, the actual clinical element mm-hmm. of the business. So, yeah, we're operating in NDIS, and NDIS mm-hmm. is highly complex, so even career, OTs, physios, they struggle mm-hmm. with it. So that, that I knew that would be my gap. It still is. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've tried to do, um, not only through my planning, but just the way the business is structured, is have smarter people than me in those mm-hmm. areas, and I don't try and be something that I'm not. Mm-hmm.
0: So, and, and, and so was that role through a typical recruitment process? How did, or how did that come about?
1: Yeah no, so that that role actually came through the ex-owner of Camp Australia, who I'm mm-hmm. I'm still very friendly with. Uh, he rang me and said, "I've, I've run into a I've run into a lady at the local school whose kids go to the same school. Right? She's kind of got a business that feels like the early days of Camp Australia. Same challenges, mm-hmm. uh, same opportunities. Can you have a coffee with her?" Mm-hmm. And um, and that was literally how it came about. I, I met right. the owner for one coffee, and then we did another one a month later. And mm-hmm. as I said, by the you know by possibly two months in, with five or six coffees, Right. and uh, and and then a, a conversation which was similar to, you know, Glenn. I think you're the right cultural fit mm-hmm. you know, to get you in. What what does the role look like? And, and right. we landed where we landed. Well, oh, uh,
0: that's fantastic. As you know, I coach a lot of senior executives through their job search. And I talk about two things which you've highlighted there. One is, you know, the hidden job market, you know, Mm. is so critical, especially, you know, when you are moving outside of same job, same industry, Mm. you know, and you're a a classic example. You were a CFO in a variety of different industries. And you stepped into being a CEO of a, um, a health services company. Yes. Now, if they had advertised for that role, mm-hmm. you probably wouldn't have even gotten an interview, right? No. Okay. And this is yeah. where, where I coach people all well, not all day, but a lot of my days yeah. is yeah. like, guys, if you want to move outside of same job, same industry, you mm. can definitely do it, but mm. you're not going to do it through a recruiter. You're going to no. do it through building relationships and networks and, and getting in front of the employer before they know that they need you, you know? Absolutely. And so what do you think it was about that she saw in you mm. that made her think the risk of employing you, different yep. job, different industry, yep. was um, was a good risk to take?
1: Yeah, look, I think obviously the the indirect referral through the previous owner of camp, so that certainly, um, you know, that gave me some credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was important for the owner who had run the business pretty much herself to make sure that the person that she was potentially going to bring in, you know, uh, was culturally culturally aligned to her, uh, yeah. didn't have any hidden agendas. And and that's mm-hmm. where those six or seven coffees came in handy yeah. because we got to talk about a whole raft of things, business, mm-hmm. family, you. So um, I think that added to it. And then obviously the third piece was, you know, even though, uh, you know, six or seven coffees sound like fun. They were kind of six or seven mini interviews. In hindsight, yeah, sure, she, she needed to she needed to ask my technical ability. How would I do this?
0: Right. Uh, and, and do you know whether at the same time she was talking to others, or uh, were you? Was it a, a one horse race?
1: Yeah, no. Uh, I think it was. A, uh, she was <laughs> she was having conversations with two or three other people out of Camp Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, but from different different streams, so you know the CIO from Camp. So she's okay. obviously having a chat there. Right. She's having a chat with our COO from Camp. Um, wow. And then I, so I, she yeah. really
0: she really trusted the father of some kids that her kids went to school with. I'm, I'm only going to fish from your business. <laughs> and, and so um and so when you started, what was the mandate? You know, uh, uh, I believe uh, she. Is um, her husband is also involved in the business, but Correct. this was their first CEO. Correct. Yes. So, Glenn, yep. welcome. Yep. This is what we want you to do. What was the mandate?
1: Yeah, pretty, pretty loose induction, to be perfectly honest. It was here's your desk, and here's some things that uh, you know I'm struggling to get done. Can you can you give me a chop out? And okay, um, I think the broader the broader direction was. Uh, I need you to, she, she was getting inundated. So she was working you know, way too long, um, uh, way too hard. So I just need you to, p- between the two of us, mm-hmm. break the back of everything that's coming in, mm-hmm. and then we'll work out. Uh, right. As, as we go into it, we'll work out where where you aren't, you know, where your skill set's challenged, are you clinical, mm-hmm. um, where you've got it covered and we'll just shift things over right. at, in time. So, Okay. yeah.
0: So it was more. Uh, I just need somebody to give me some breathing space. Correct. Um, it wasn't. Hey, I've got this business of. I think you said earlier, fifty therapists. I want to, yeah. you know, be national and f- employ fifty people on one day. Did you? Have, yeah. Where? Where? The, did they have those aspirations at that time?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, the owner Heidi is highly competitive, so that was right. that was part of the part of the the framing for me mm-hmm. is. Uh, I've got to keep up with people and I've got to, you know, I've got to exceed them. So I need you to, you've mm-hmm. done it with camp where, you know, you guys ended up with three and a half thousand staff nationally every night. I need you to build the back right. back end to be able to do that at the front end. So yeah. um, it was certainly growth. And even as we sit here today, you know, that hasn't changed that, that direction. You if, mm-hmm. if had to earmark one thing that I'm accountable for and she looks to me for is, to be able to make sure this business is scalable. Mm-hmm.
0: so um, mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. A big task. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, two years in the role. Yep. What, what would you say has been some of the key milestones during that time? What are, what are some of the achievements that have been made? You go, wow, I did yeah. a pretty bloody good job there.
1: <laughs> well, I'm always my own harshest critic, so I kind of... <laughs>
0: uh, I um, uh, Look, from an external
1: perspective, I think if, if we said, here's what we've done, what do you think? So, you know, as I said before, we've rebranded, mm-hmm. taken the name, changed the name. We've um, we've also recently built our own case management software. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means we're not relying on third-party software anymore. So, again, that will allow us to scale economically. Um, and, and we also... Um, use the software the way that we need to use it, not be captive to a third party. So mm-hmm. um, we've done that. We've obviously increased our our labour force threefold, but increased only our, our head office support staff, you know, possibly by 20%. So um, we've, uh, you know, introduced nationally offices. So previously it was a fully remote work work model people would work from home go and visit their clients but that wasn't working for the new the new therapists that we were bringing and a, a little younger they craved generalizing They, you know they wanted more human contact mm-hmm. so we've yeah, you know, we've introduced you know offices in most of our locations so mm-hmm. um uh, so i think they're possibly some of the major achievements mm-hmm.
0: at and uh in the last sort of eight months of covid mm. uh well, I suppose you've got two, you've had two dramatic things. I mean, NDIS, mm-hmm. uh, was NDS, NDIS already a factor prior to you joining? Yes, it was. Right, yeah. Okay, uh, because I've worked with a lot of not-for-profits who went through that period and, mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, a lot of uh, CEOs actually self-selected out, oh, this is too hard. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, so that's interesting. And then obviously COVID and uh, mm. I, I imagine the way that you would deliver your services during that period, you know, must've changed dramatically.
1: It did. Yeah. Literally, literally overnight. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, we, we had to basically pivot to telehealth. So while, while we're, we're fortunate because we're considered an essential service. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, while a lot of people were housebound during that period, we could continue to operate.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but obviously with a uh, you know, much heightened degree of, um, you know, checks in place, so, you know, full PPE and um, checks on, you know, the clients that you were visiting, whether they were risk for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you, we needed to, to quickly get better at that. And then uh, there was a period, I it was maybe four weeks, five weeks where we had to really just move to telehealth. So we hadn't offered that at all prior to COVID, mm-hmm. Um and literally sort of took two days and, we're like, okay, let's go to market now. Um, mm-hmm. We're not sure whether clients are going to want to have a telehealth appointment. I'm mm-hmm. not sure whether I would. Um, but let's sort of see. We This is either going to be a disaster because we'll go from having full appointment books to, to no one, mm-hmm. or we'll continue reasonably unscathed and pleasingly. It was more the latter than the former. Um, and now what it's done, I suppose with a lot of other business, Richard, you know, Things that we've done during COVID don't end when COVID mm. goes away. We, we, we'll keep telehealth. Um, we'll I keep mean, some...
0: would you say that COVID actually benefited your business?
1: In a weird kind of way, absolutely. Um, and yeah. it's hard to say that, isn't it? Because I'm sure you've got multiple people in your contact network, and I, as I have, who have you know financially struggled through COVID. Businesses have, have gone belly up. Uh, you know, so it is hard to kind of say, "Well, we're better for it." You know, we've we've traded okay, mm. um, missed JobKeeper, which is a good thing. Mm. Uh, but yes, I, you know, I think we are we are a lot better. What it what it did as well, it it allowed the management team to work out we're pretty good. You know, yeah. Think about this: we, we 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 could not trade on on that overnight. The yep. world shut down. We couldn't trade. It mm. took us a day, and we're back. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty cool story as a lot of other businesses would have similar stories of how they pivoted
0: well if you just think about our relationship you know uh, prior to COVID I ran my champions forums face to face over breakfast in Brisbane I would have never even met you right as soon as we went and started running them on Zoom boom you know I've now got you know getting close to 300 people participating COVID was fantastic for my business (laughs) Um, and uh, not fantastic for my waistline, because I tell you, you know, uh, I've got to go to work today. I get up, I walk, you know, 10 meters down the corridor, sit in my office. Uh, But, uh, but, and, you know, I think that you're right. You know, I would say for the vast majority of businesses in Australia who've been able to pivot successfully Mm. and were able to do it quickly, it's actually been, you know, uh, a really um, uh, beneficial time, especially, Going back to what you said, you know, you had a bit of self-reflection as a team Mm. and said, "Actually, we're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, we can, you know, we can survive this. Turn Mm -hmm. the news on; the world's about to end. But hey, if we look at our business, um, things are things are are good. So um, you're now in your CEO role. Mm. It's been an aspirational role. You're now there. what would you say are the things that you love about being a CEO and what would you say are the things that you don't really enjoy about it? Yeah, wow. Well,
1: okay. Depends what day you ask me this question, Richard. Some <laughs> days I'll, I'll, I'll be more heavily weighted one way or another. Right. But um, Things I love about the role, um, look, I think, I think it's the ability to, to directly interact with, with all arms of the business. So mm-hmm. you know, it's possibly something whether I stay CEOing indefinitely or whether I end up going back to CFOing. I think uh, you know what it's taught me is even as a CFO, you should be across the whole business. And mm-hmm. while I was as a CFO across the business, I wasn't really across the business because there's an extra level of mm-hmm. across the business that you need to get to to really be into it. So mm-hmm. um, you know, CEOing has certainly taught me that that you got to go down that second level. Um, uh, I think I also like the, the, I like the fact that um, people look to you at, for, for direction, basically. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm, I'm one to let people have their opinions, but then to be able to kind of bring it together and go, okay, this is what we're going to do, people. Um, we'll mm-hmm. fail or fail fast or, or pivot or move on or whatever. So I certainly like being, um, you know, key a key decision maker. Mm-hmm. Um, things I don't like. Uh, look, I think you know. Again, I'm my own harshest critic. Sometimes I feel like, uh, what, what, how, how far, how far can you manage people before they feel like they're being micromanaged? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my my quest, my thirst is, I don't need to know everything that you're doing, but. I do need to know enough to kind of work out whether what you're doing is aligned to what we agreed as a business in our 90-day goals.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: unfortunately for me to ask you that, it's going to feel like you micro a little bit, mm-hmm. but until I get comfort, um, then I can let you go. Mm-hmm. So I find, that, I find that a struggle, to be perfectly honest, because I, I, you know, I'm not naturally in people's faces all the time. But mm-hmm. some, and that works for some. Some are kind of managing up beautifully and we've got this great working relationship Mm-hmm. I got confidence in them. They know when I'm going to push in. Others, less less uh, less forthcoming, and that's a that's a problem. Then I've got to really push in a little harder. So um, that's probably the, the you know if that's if that's the worst part of the role, it's probably not a bad role. It's, uh,
0: yeah, look, uh, I think that uh, that's probably very common. Uh, uh, it's. It's eternally frustrating uh, to the leader uh, that the teams say, "Oh, sure thing, think we'll do that," and then yeah. they don't do it. And it's eternally frustrating to the employee that the boss is saying, "Where is it? Where is it?" And uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is. Um, uh, it's something that a lot of the people in Champions Forum talk about a lot. Yeah,
1: <laughs> um, I'm sure they
0: do. Yeah. So if you look towards the future now. Um, mm. Uh, you said, you know, I may continue as a CEO. I may go back, going back to see it being a CFO. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you see, I suppose, firstly, as, you know, the future for um, National 360? Mm. And then what do you see as, you know, the future for you?
1: Yeah. Look, I think the, the National 360 future is, um, there's plenty of upside there. They're in a great space, you know, great market. Um, if you talk about the commercials of the NDIS it's really well funded by the government it's providing um, you know a great service to to needy participants so Mm -hmm. you know the macroeconomics will say well well, the government's going to continue to support this sector because if they don't the political blow-up will be big time so Mm -hmm. uh, you know I think that provides comfort that the business is pitching in the right area Uh, I think the fact that we continue to aggressively recruit successfully shows that we can do it. Uh, so, you know, scale and growth will, will be there. Um, in terms of my, in terms of me personally, I don't know. And I, I had I had a breakfast with uh, someone I you know, really respect their opinion this morning. And uh, we were talking about this. I said, I actually don't know what I want to do. Mm. And I'm not saying I, I want to do anything different than I'm doing now, but there has yeah. to be something more. I don't know what it is. Um, And you and I, Richard, you know, in the forum conversations, you know, I've raised it a few times, well, I don't know whether I want to be a PAYG employee any longer. Do I want to be an owner or do I want to get a group of people together and go and buy a business or do I want to become a director or uh, I don't know. Um, And that's challenging. So uh,
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, one of the things I say to people is not that long ago, uh, maybe you know, 100-plus a, a years ago, uh, you were born, you went to school, you picked your career, you got your mm-hmm. qualifications, you got a job, got married, had some kids, and then you died, right? Yep. You know, average life expectancy for white men then in 1900, I think, was 55, really? right? Now, I mean, the reality is uh, our generation, you're a bit younger than me, but our generation, as long as we look after our health, you mm-hmm. know, and don't, you know... Uh, do anything too crazy it is very very reasonable to think we'll live to being over 100 Mm -hmm. right so i'm 53 i go well that's another 53 years yeah i definitely don't want to be retired for 53 (laughs) years no i'd go go crazy um (laughs) so there is the opportunity i mean you could be at you know uh national 360 for another 10 years and still have another 40 years of career absolutely so uh, I think yeah. that sometimes we put too much uh, pressure on ourselves. Oh, I need to know what I want to be when I grow up now. It's just yeah. like, maybe just relax <laughs> relax a little yeah. bit, you know, and yeah. let the opportunities, you know, present uh, when they're ready. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I look at my son. Uh, how old are your children now?
1: Uh, they're 18 and 15.
0: Okay, so a bit older than mine. So my son's just got into grade eight. Okay. You know, he's making decisions about subjects at mm. 13 years old based yeah. on well, what career do you want to have so yeah. do, 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 don't worry you know but nah, yeah. you you'll probably have five careers in your lifetime so yeah. Um, yeah. it's funny how you know the paradigm has not changed at all no and yet life expectancy has changed mm-hmm. everything
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it, so it, it, it probably goes back to what you asked earlier, wasn't it? What did you want to be coming out of school? Well, I wanted to be this. It didn't end up there. Now what do I want to be? Don't know. I still don't know.
0: Right. Here we are. are.
1: Yeah.
0: I must admit, I watch murder mystery type TV shows. So I go, geez, I wish I'd become a policeman. That would be... <laughs> but uh, I imagine... Mentioned- you know, it's 95% pretty boring and 5% pretty exciting. But um we, we, uh, we
1: could, you and I could be the new Starsky and Hutch, Richard, if you really wanted to. <laughs> we are old enough to know Starsky and Hutch.
0: Uh, but. I was watching, this uh, just got this conversation going interesting way. I was watching Facebook. I will send you the link. There's yeah. this guy who's got a channel now where he's a bounty hunter and okay. uh he takes a film crew with him while he goes and bounty hunts these people. Okay. And I just couldn't stop watching it. You know, <laughs> it's like I got sucked into this vortex of watching this bounty hunter arresting people on the lamp. So, uh, <laughs> me. and so, um, uh, okay, great. So uh, we've talked a lot about work um, and your career. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think, you know, in terms of some of your key learnings, I mean, you mentioned earlier, I think before we started the conversation, you know, you've built a lot of capability as somebody who can bring disparate teams together. You know, what's your philosophy in relation to that? Look, I think
1: ultimately you've got to be, you just got to be you. Um, So hopefully you are a nice person with, with good DNA. And just as I say to my management team, we want him to be around good humans. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, yeah, that's certain. I hope that I'm a good human. I hope other think <laughs> others think I am as well, but that's certainly, if you are a good human with good DNA, with you're not a game player, you, you, you do naturally build connections that, that help. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I suppose I've I've wrestled with this for twenty years, Richard. You know, I had a previous CEO when he and I were, were not on the same page at one stage and things were becoming a bit messy, you know, he said, Oh, you're a good guy. And I'm like, oh, That's offensive. That of all the things he could say, <laughs> you didn't say I'm a good CFO or you know, you're great with this, you're a good you're a good bloke. I was just like, I don't want to be a good bloke. So right. But here is we are. it
0: is it that you don't want to be a good bloke? You'd rather be more of a mongrel, or is it that you want to be perceived as being something more than just a good bloke? Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be a good bloke, but rank it two or three. You know, right, say, right. you know, she's a great operator, you know, the ability for him to scale businesses mm. or, you know, the way that he works with uh, key stakeholders to to move from private to private ownership to P E, then he's a good bloke. Right. I'm happy with that. But uh, right
0: yeah well you know uh your career is it demonstrates that you you know you're good at your job and you've as I say you know moving changing from CFO to CEO and into another industry at the Mm. same time that's rare right and um, you wouldn't have been given that opportunity if they didn't feel you were worthy of it and obviously the proof's in the pudding in terms of um So, yeah, I mean, people say the thing, oh, Triggsy, you're a good bloke. And <laughs> I, I know that if I was more of a mongrel, my business would probably be more successful. But what at, at what price, you know? Um, there's plenty of people in my game that candidates hate them. Yeah. Oh, they won't ring, my, ring me back. They won't return mm-hmm. my emails, you know? Um, and I think, well, if you're in the business of looking after human beings and you yeah. don't return phone calls or yeah. emails, then what are you doing, right? Yeah. So, um. Yeah, so I think being a good bloke should be top of the list. Right? He's a good bloke who's also good at growing businesses. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. different strokes, different yeah. folks, right?
1: Well, well, that's right. Yeah. Well, there's nothing, to be perfectly honest, probably nothing I can do about it anyway. I'm not going to become something no. I'm not. Sure. You, you can't. But
0: how we started this, and I recognize <laughs> that we've, you know, I, I know you're a busy guy. So, but um, um, I, I, well, I was asking you, so how do you bring disparate teams together? Mm. you know, and, you, we, and we kind of segued into this good guy conversation. But, yeah. you know, um, other than saying, hey, we want to be nice people and work mm. with nice people and so on, you mm. know, is that it? Is that enough or is there more that's required?
1: To, to bring uh, disparate teams together? Or...
0: Yeah, so yeah. I, think you, I think you were saying mm. that, you know, during your career, yeah. you know, one of the things you feel that you're good at is um, getting people on the same page. Of course. Yeah.
1: Um, it takes more than, you know, it, it takes more than one person playing peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think what, what I've found as well, you can have different people in a business. You can even have a different um, you know, owners to CEO, not necessarily now, but maybe with CFO, you might have different personalities as owners and then a you know a CEO uh, I think more that more important than anything, you're always going to have those differences. Clarity and alignment mm-hmm. around direction of the business, key. Um, mm-hmm. So then whether you've got a bad cop, good cop, mid cop, introvert, white ant, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If we know where we're heading as a business and the goals that each of us are delivering and working to, um, while well, we're not going to accept bad behaviour that kind of creates a, a mm-hmm. you know, toxic environment, Uh it kind of almost overcomes some of that crappiness mm-hmm. that that people can come come with it as well, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So
0: yeah, do you use a particular tool or um, methodology uh, when you're doing that? You know, uh, what was his name? Um, De Bono's six hats, and there's yeah. you know, there's all kinds of different. You know, how do we how yeah. do we resolve conflict and build? a cohesive and shared vision. Is there, yeah. it, are there particular tools that you
1: use? or you yeah. Your own um, thing? yeah, we, we used, um, previously we've used the Rockefeller Habits.
0: Oh, yeah, um, yeah
1: That's it, yeah. Right. So I, I've got, I mean, my reading of business books, I've got heaps of them. Have I right. read them all the way through? No, it's a real hit and miss <laughs> for me. But, but Vern's was one that uh, I could kind of, I could see something in it for mm. me, and the fact that my previous CEO at Camp he was full on into this, and the owners of Camp were full on into this as well. So you kind of had to, even if it wasn't a forced habit, but you kind of jumped on board anyway. So you know, with Vern, while there's it's a it's there's a lot in it, we simply scaled it back mm. to a couple of things. One, we had a BHAG, hag, yeah. big hairy audacious goal, mm-hmm. um, and then what we did, we broke the year up into ninety day increments sprints exactly yeah that's right yeah 100%
0: yeah, I, I uh, remember I worked for a company and the owner was really into Vern and we yeah. used to have our stand-up meeting at 9.16, you know, because in <laughs> Vern would say, you've got to have your meeting standing up and they've got to be at a weird time and everybody's going to report on three key metrics and so we would yeah. do that every day. And uh, yeah, um, I don't use that in my business. But, I, 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 you know, similarly for me, you know, I used to love reading business books, but I just hate mm-hmm. reading them now. I, did, yeah. I, just, I think I get a lot more business knowledge from the people like you that I hang out with and absolutely. just sharing stories and uh, sitting down and reading good to great or something like that. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. And I so, agree with yeah. So, Glenn, uh, tell us, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about you when you're not working. You're obviously a, a dad and I'm uh, no doubt you still love your sport, but yes. you know, what, what, what do you do to um, keep your fuel tank full? Yeah,
1: Um well, definitely, as I said before, you know, my kids are at the age now where the, the parenting uh, element has changed. So, you know, we've, we've kind of gone from – we're now mates. So, we're you know, my son at 18 will go and watch the footy and if we want to have a beer beforehand, we can have a beer together and right. sit on the couch and, you know, watch something together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fun for both both parties, hopefully. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of exercise. Um COVID again, one of the positives from COVID negative for the gyms was we we set our garage up as a quasi gym. So, you know, save yourself 20 minutes of driving to and from the gym and just wander out there. So, I do a lot of that. I I jump on a bike, Um, typical mammals, they call it, middle aged male in Lycra. So, uh, do that under the cover of darkness so no one sees me in Lycra, which is not a good sight. But uh,
0: does your bike cost more than a car?
1: It does not, no. <laughs> no. There's it's a guy a, I
0: know in Brisbane and he's part of a group and that's what they're called. My bike costs more than your car. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And uh, are you looking forward to being able to travel again?
1: I am. I kind of had a taste of it um, earlier this week. I headed to Adelaide mm-hmm. and um, a little bit surreal, really. I mean, the airport, uh, the airport was dead. Um, right. st- I got, got into one of the lounges. I was the only one in there. Okay. Um, you know, the the control coming in and, and leaving the state was interesting. You know, Adelaide, uh, I'd love to live in Adelaide because they got their stuff together. The, the way they, as a CEO with a process background, I was like, this is interesting. They're channeling everyone into an orderly queue, and then you'd have sec- uh, SES people allocating you to a booth. Mm-hmm. Right. The booth was rigorous. I came back into Victoria, and and basically the guy said, "You're all right, mate. Through you come," and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting."
0: Right. So, oh, but- so yes. travel,
1: I would love to travel again, Richard, and long answer your short question.
0: Yeah, but, um. Sure. Yeah, I look, I went to do a client visit the other day and they took my temperature before they'd let me walk into their office. Well, that's the first time it's happened. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah. And so um, finally, before I let you go, Glenn, just yeah. really, really briefly, you know, we've had talked, spoken a little bit about Champions Forum. Um, mm. Just um, share a little bit of your experience.
1: Yeah. Hey, and this is, we haven't, we haven't spoken about this, so I'm going to talk from the heart. It's the best thing I've done, honestly, um, in years, to be perfectly honest. So um, I think you came on my radar. I think somehow you sent an email out which said, you know, here's a Champions Forum opportunity. So, I look, I've been involved in, you know, CEO institutes and different groups. So I kind of I jumped in mm-hmm. with a little bit of trepidation, um, but honestly, the, the, the last year has been amazing. Why? Because some of the people that are in my group, um, I've connected with offline now, mm-hmm. uh, Brett Jarman as a guy. And yep. I said, I said um, just before we came on, I had a couple of beers with a, a guy that Brett referred from another forum or another group mm-hmm. um, who's a Melbourne-based guy. So, yeah, they, we spent two hours together just chewing the fat. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, what what the Champions Forum's done for me, as I said before, and you you kind of alluded to it, I can read business books, but 10 pages in, I'm just, this is the same message from page 1 to 10, I'm getting nothing out of mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. Up goes the book, onto the bookshelf, gathering dust. Mm-hmm. Champions Forum, it's nimble. It kind of, each week, each month, sorry, things that people are raising, either do two things for me. One is kind of go, okay, Glenn, you're normal now because I was feeling the same thing, <laughs> the same challenges. thought I was abnormal and failing. Yeah. So it kind of in a weird way gives me comfort that, hey, it's okay. People are experiencing the same thing. Uh, and then, yeah, more importantly, the ability to raise things in a confidential environment and then have trusted people with different backgrounds, provide professional, courteous input uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I I think it's been brilliant, and oh, that's
0: um, excellent. Glenn. I really, you know, I appreciate it. And, and I think that this is a thing as a CEO, whether it's yeah. a sort of family-owned business or an ASX-listed company, it's pretty can be pretty lonely. You know, it you is. you you are very constrained as to who you can talk about things with, in an in an open and you know. Um, vulnerable way right yep. so you know to be able to come and go oh I've got this challenge or this opportunity mm-hmm. or we're considering this new strategy or and what do you guys reckon um yep. I love it i, I and yeah. uh, I'm really pleased that uh, you're getting uh, a lot of enjoyment from it as I That's you right. know I really appreciate your uh, contribution too all right Glenn well look I better let you get on with your day it's been a fantastic conversation before we wrap it up any final points you'd like to raise or are, you, are we done
1: Oh, look, I know I think we've covered a bit. I'll possibly get off and think, oh, I should have said that or not said that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, no, no, it's all good. I think it's been a great conversation. And, look, again, this is possibly these kind of conversations, even though it's not intended to be uh, to my benefit, you, talking to smart people, covering a whole range of things, it actually ignites the, the switch up top as well. Um, yeah. So I think a takeaway would be for anyone kind of listening, you know, surround yourself with good people. Mm -hmm. Um, people that can stimulate you you don't have to talk about your specific problems at work but just talking generally Mm -hmm. helps you so Mm -hmm. um i've enjoyed the convo hopefully it hasn't been too uh boring for you you you, richard and then
0: uh oh look glenn if i was just say one thing you're a really good guy ah thank you (laughs) (laughs) thanks for that richard all right good on you glenn have a great weekend see you thanks richard you too mate. bye all right Thank you for joining us on the Arate Podcast with Richard Triggs. If you'd like a free copy of Richard Triggs' book, Uncover the Hidden Job Market, How to Find and Win Your Next Senior Executive Role, please visit uncoverthehiddenjobmarket.com to register your details. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.